You're listening to the Chi Alpha Christian Fellowship Podcast from Summit 2019, with sessions from San Angelo State, New Mexico State, and Texas Tech University. We are so glad you're here, and we hope this message will encourage you and challenge you in your walk with the Lord. Hey guys, how are y'all? Great. Good. Good, good, good. Good lunch? Yeah. All right, y'all awake? All right, so we got this fun topic, uh, uh, spiritual authority, or what I'm calling under authority. And so we're going to be talking about the man that Jesus marveled at. And uh, it's a really great story, and I hope we're going to dig into it. So uh, in Luke 7, uh, 1 through 10, I believe the verses are on it. I'll read it, and uh, after he had finished all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. This is Jesus. Now a centurion had a servant who was sick and at the point of death, who was highly valued by him. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent to him elders of the Jews, asking him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, He is worthy to have you do this for him. For he loves our nation, and he is one who built who built us our synagogue. And Jesus went with him. When he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore I did not presume to come to you, but say the word, and let my servant be healed. For I too am a man under authority, with soldiers under me, and I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him, and turning to the crowd that followed him, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant well. So, all right, confession time for me. Y'all ready? Today, I am going to confess some things to you, especially for those that don't know me. My name is Michael. I try to introduce myself to most people here. Michael Winters. I know, it's a season. Um, and I am here to confess I am accident prone and can be led into disobedience for a chance of adventure. So, it started early. Uh, my parents had probably told my stepmother and I hundreds of times not to wrestle a mouse. <laughs> well, my parents went on a date and left my stepsister to babysit us for the first time. And what did we decide to do? We decided to wrestle in my bedroom. And we wanted to recreate our favorite wrestler's moves on each other. <laughs> so at this time, there is the gloriousness of uh, wrestling at its peak, in my estimation, with a guy named Hulk Hogan <laughs> and a guy named Ultimate Warrior. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, I'm going to do something bold. Does anybody want to come help illustrate what's going to happen? Okay. So I, 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 me and uh, Isaiah over here, I'm like, dude, I'm Hulk Hogan. <laughs> You're not Hulk Hogan. I'm Hulk Hogan. All right. And then I, then I pursuedly try to like give him the kick, and instead of going kick, he ducks. So duck, right. and I flip over. 
I'm not going to flip over. Gonna... <laughs> <laughs> this is bad. This is all bad. I'm still accident prone. So I flip over, and I, you, you can sit down. But I was like, all right. And so we bantered, and I flipped over, and I hit my head on the bed, uh, on my bed. It was a wood part of my bed. And I ended up getting seven to eight stitches on my head. This is one of several accidents that have happened in my life. And um, it's all mainly involving my head. I don't know why. (laughs) It's like a tractor beam just comes at me and it's just, that's my head. And so what would have happened if I had just obeyed my family and said, no, we shouldn't wrestle, brother. in some sort of manner like that, I would not have gone to the hospital and I would not, I would be less stitches in my head. But obviously, I disobeyed. And so, that is one of the things that this is the most challenging for me in him, in this century, is that he is one of the most obedient people that, uh, that Jesus ever saw. Hence, probably one of the most obedient people uh, that we know. Yeah. So, all right, we're all. Um, I need more interaction. Who here is uh, is really disciplined in time management? Raise your hands. Okay, we got two people. That's not a good. Uh, everyone else is not re- not really good. Okay. <laughs> all right. Uh, okay. Who who is disciplined in studying? Raise your hand. Okay, we got the same two people. Maybe <laughs> there's a sign there. Okay, uh, who is part of the military or has family in the military? All right, we got more people here. That's cool. Do you, in the military, do you have to rely on others above you to do their job and submit to them uh, in the military for everything to run well? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, they all work together. Last question. And this is probably um, one of the most revealing ones. Who here has felt betrayed by people and authority over you? Man, yeah. Okay. I'll say this. Do you know whose hand would also be raised as well for the last one? It would be God. Lucifer led a rebellion against God. Jesus was also betrayed twice by people that knew him. Judas and Peter. So, so we, obviously by what Jesus said, we are going to look at why it is biblical to trust and submit to others above you. We must welcome authority, love our authority, and honor our authority to others. Um, and in 1 Samuel 15, 22, God says, I desire obedience over sacrifice. In order for us to continue in this lesson right here, we must realize, you must realize, God is our ultimate authority and it is based all around him. We see this obedience displayed the most in interaction with the centurion and Jesus. We come to the centurion, who has to be one of the most disciplined people in the known world at the time. All right. So here are some qualifications for the century. He had to be literate because he had to read orders. He had to have connections in order for to get recommendations. In it. He had to be 30 years of age. 
have already served in the military for several years. The centurion in the infantry is chosen for his size, strength, dexterity, and throwing his missile weapons, hence spears, and for his skills in the use of the sword and the shield. In short, for his expertness in all the exercises, he is also more qualification. So you're, you're getting the point. He is to be vigilant, temperate, active, and readier to execute the orders he received than to talk. So he's all about doing, not talking. Strict in exercising and keeping up proper discipline among his soldiers and obliging them to, to appear clean and well-dressed and to have their arms constantly rubbed and bright. So it's all about appearance as well as your uh, strength. So this is what a centurion looks like. So obviously we can tell Rome was one of the best armies. I think it was the best army at the, in the world at the time. And this guy had to be one of the best soldiers. Yet, what do we see? He welcomed authority. The centurion welcomed leadership. You can, uh, you can tell this through the interaction with Jesus and how he didn't degrade any of his leaders. He didn't degrade Caesar. He didn't degrade anybody. He just talked about himself. And then he says this, the centurion through his friend said something quite powerful. Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Now let's break that down, especially the first word. He said the word Lord. Mm -hmm. For a person other than the emperor, this is treason in the Roman culture. The Roman soldier, whom most scholars say had seen Jesus before, earlier, is now calling him Lord. The centurion welcomed Jesus as the authority in his life when he referred to him as Lord. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And then his friends follow up this statement with talking about how he is not worthy of coming under his roof. He welcomed the leadership of Jesus and knew how important, um, how important Jesus was by announcing him to his friends. Think about that. The centurion announced himself to his other friends whom went to talk about Jesus. Yeah. The centurion embraced Jesus, Jesus as Lord when there were so many people that rebelled against Jesus. Now, there is our, our tendency in our rebellious nature to not embrace people above us and to look for any and all faults in them to complain, exploit, and to try to get them fired. Okay, there's this, there's this great scene in one of my favorite, favorite shows of all time, The Office. Come on. <laughs> so, um, who has not seen this show? Raise your hand. Okay, I'm gonna give you all an idea. It's a great show. But there's this guy named Michael Scott. He is this manager of a paper company. And Jim and Dwight are his, uh, Jim and Dwight are under him, and they are frenemies. They're always out to get each other, but they're also friends at the same time in certain aspects. And so we're going to look at this, um, this scene. Uh, Jim is seeking to get a higher position 
and is offered a management position. So here's this scene, if we can come on, baby, quick. Hello. Hey, Michael. Yes. You got Jim there with you? No, it's just us. Actually, can you call Jim in? I want him on this, please. Oh. Oh, well, here he is right now. Come in. <laughs> Hi, David. Hey, guys. So, I spoke to Alan. We had kind of an unconventional idea, which I think is pretty cool, but it only works if everyone's on board. Well, just as long as it means Jim becomes a manager. We were thinking of having two branch managers in Scranton, both of you guys working as co-managers. Jim would handle the day-to-day, -day, and Michael, you would focus on clients and big-picture stuff. Wow. Sounds pretty cool. Like that. So, manager and co-manager. Co-manager and co-manager. See, there are a lot of moving pieces, and this is the only way I can sell it upstairs. Well, that might be a little confusing for people because they know me as manager. to promote Jim to the position of co-manager. Co-manager of what? Of your butt. <laughs> and your butt. And your butt and your butt. All of the Scranton Bridge butts. What's happening to you, Michael? What's happening to me? I am also being promoted to co-manager. We will be co-managers together. Jim Halpert, welcome. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so Michael, he had this chance to let go of Jim, to go somewhere else, or embrace being a co-manager. Which, if you look at it, is a demotion for Michael. When questioned about it from his employees, he just said he is a co-manager. He didn't badmouth anyone, just made it normal. Be honest with yourself. How would you have handled this situation? Now, another question in relation to where you are right now. Do you welcome your smartest leader and the staff of Chi Alpha as the Roman centurion welcome Jesus? A key part in welcoming is how you choose for the greater good for them, God, and his kingdom. So we come to the next step. We love our authority. So um, a very popular saying that is fully in line with the Bible says, love is unselfishly choosing for the greater good of God and his kingdom. If we say we love God, we must unselfishly choose for the greater good of our leaders, like the ones that are leading us to go closer to Jesus. The centurion showed his love for Jesus in a very different way by saying this, Therefore, I do not presume to come to you, but say the word, and let my servant be healed. For I too am a man under set under authority, 
with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. To my servant, do this, and he does it. He showed his love for Jesus by recognizing and knowing the authority of Jesus to do powerful things, whether he sees the servant or not. Isn't that crazy? Uh, a great man of God, um, C.H. Spurgeon, said this about the centurion. This officer could see about the person of Christ the marks of his being commissioned by God. By some means, I know not how, he had arrived at this very safe and true conclusion that Jesus was acting under the authority of the great God who made heaven and earth. And he looked at him, therefore, under that aspect, as duly authorized and commissioned for work, for his work. So, the centurion saw that Jesus was appointed by God. Therefore, he had the power of God in him against his authorities. Um, another great author who, um, Watchman Lee, has a really great book on this, Spiritual Authority, if you're looking to get more in depth than this. Um, he says this, Those who reject his servants, uh, his servants reject him. It is impossible for us to hearken to God's word and not to the words of his delegates. In order for us to be faithful and obedient followers of Jesus, we must respect and love our leaders. So, I've talked a lot, but I want to hear you guys. So, we're going to get practical. How do we love our leader, uh, the people that are our leaders? I want to hear some ideas. Anybody? Shout them out. Obedience. Oh, no. Obedience. Obedience, okay. Respect. Respect. How do you how do you respect a person? Okay, yeah, that's true. Listening. Yeah, right on. Anything else? Show them your loyalty. Show them your loyalty. Yeah. Serving them, yeah. Find the role you can find where you can help. Find where you can help. Yeah, yeah that's so good. Honoring them. Honoring them, yes. <clears throat> that those are really great. Um, I'll add one more. Uh, this is a really cool thing to, to try to do with your leader is to find their love language. <laughs> find what they what they like. So, uh, like, um, I, if y'all are confused by love languages, I'll, I'll explain it out. Um, so there's like, there's like people that love words of affirmation, acts of service, uh, physical touch, uh, gifts, and then um, in quality time. So quality time, gifts, acts of service. Uh, physical touch, and words of affirmation. So find out just what they like, what, what they appreciate the most, and try to give it to them as much as you can. Because that would be an awesome thing for all of us to like, we, we search out what people appreciate. So yeah, and then uh, trust their words that they say to us and speak highly of them uh, often. 
And so this third one brings us to the, to the final one. Uh, honor our authority to others. So the unique thing about this centurion is that he was honored, or he honored other authorities beside his own. And it says this, when the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent to him elders of the Jews, asking him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, He is worthy to have you do this for him. He loved, for he loves our nation, and he is the one who built us our synagogue. The Jewish rulers were so honored by this centurion that they pleaded with Jesus to heal his servant because he loves their nation. Can you picture this with me? A Roman who is ruling over them loves Israel. And he built the synagogue for them. He gave them a place to worship. The, Jew, um, the Jewish rulers were focused on the outward deeds of this centurion. But it really does put in perspective how he, he was respected by other authorities, which is really crazy. So, this is a question that I want uh, rhetorical, but do you know that God orchestrated you to have a leader over you for a specific reason? So, um, I'll give you a little bit more. Uh, I've been involved in Halfland for about for over a decade. I got saved uh, my sophomore year at Sam Houston State, which is that would be, I was 2007, 2008. That's when I got saved. So I came to Kaiafa, um, but I came to Kaiafa at NMSU at the end of what was called year zero, which is like the very, very beginning, like early stages. And this was in 2013 with Alex and Abby Rodriguez. Uh, let me go to the next picture. So, uh, we were going strong as a team. This is all, all of our people. They all came from uh, Sam Houston, except for Sydney, who was part of um, at New Mexico. And uh, so this was our team, 2013. And then staff changes. So much so that Alex and Abby moved to Springfield, Missouri, who were the leaders of Kyle at NMSU. And they're now working with AG to travel all over the places and promote Kaiapa and try to have Kaiapa unified. We found out, so my wife and I found out about this, that a newer member of our staff is going to be groomed to, to lead Kaiapa at MSU. So my wife and I had a decision uh, to make a uh, decision made, whether we leave and do something like uh, Pioneer Chi Alpha, or stay for stay for longer at NSU. By this time, all our friends from Sam Houston stayed. We're all gone. So everyone else was gone from here. We're gonna go to the next picture. This is our new staff. So. 
Obviously, we chose to stay and serve and help and see what the Lord is going to do here. So my friend, Taylor Cruz, um, is now our interim leader. Uh, and I don't think he was in high school by the time I ended college. Just to give you an idea. He, but what's great about, I've learned so much from Taylor. His youthful energy, his, his uh, longing, he has new ideas that come out. And I'm just like, he's, I've learned so much from being under him. So this is how the Lord is um, disciplining me and showing me like new things to do and what, what he has in, in future for NMSU. So we took, we had, we, we had to choose to stay and we are so, so much better for it, even when it's really challenging. So, you have this choice. So, you have the choice either to uh, uplift your leader, to either um, see what's good in him, or to not really talk about him at all, or to find all the faults you can in him and talk with it to other people. And that's how um, that's how mutinies are started and all sorts of things. So I know this. All your leaders in Chi Alpha are always looking for what's best in you, best for Jesus to move on this campus and to move in you. So there are some really big ramifications to whatever choice you make. Whatever choice you make in your life. So, I need more interaction. Y'all with me? So I okay. What happens if you uplift your leader to others in his character or something you see in the Lord in him? What happens if you just start uplifting him? Do it more often. Huh? They do it more often. Okay, yeah. That's true. They do yeah, that's right on. What else? Anybody else? Any ideas? Others, yeah. It gives them a confidence and a, a uh, encouragement that they're doing something right. Yeah. Pushes them to do first, go through. Yeah. Other people want to follow them. Yeah. yeah, other people want to follow them. That's right on. Um, I'll, uh, I'll say this advice for every, every person on this earth. They have a little slimmer sliver of what the kingdom of God is like in them. Yeah. So your mission and your job is to find that and then end up with that. And for your leaders, they have a lot more than that. And you just have to find that and uplift that the most. Yeah. And um, yeah, so anybody have any other thoughts? Okay, next, next question. What happens if you go around talking about the negative things you see in your leader to others? People start believing them? The, the opposite, yeah. Develop, like, Kyle becomes a bad name, yeah. 
people yeah. don't trust them. Yeah. yeah. Doubt themselves. Yeah. Yeah, the people will think badly of you because you just talk negative and you look for the wrong things in people. Yeah. Dude, that's right on, guys. That's so good. So, um, man, that's so good. So, uh, I want to address something before we uh, finish. As we get ready to finish, I want to address something to the people in here that are either leaders right now or God is calling you to be, to be a leader of men or women. Watchman, see, said, Watchman Nee says there are three essential requirements to be a delegated authority. He or she must know all authority comes from God. Mm-hmm. Those in authority are responsible to instruct young believers in the knowledge of God's will. No one is able to be God's delegated authority unless he has learned to obey God's authority and will. Makes sense. And understands will. Okay. He or she must deny himself. God calls us to represent his authority, not to substitute his authority. Right? God calls us to represent his authority, not to substitute his authority. The basic requirement for being God's delegated authority is to, is to entertain no thought or opinion in, one, in oneself. Third, he, must, he or she must constantly keep in fellowship with the Lord. The nearer the one, uh, the nearer one is to the Lord, the clearer he sees his own fault. Does that make sense? Yeah. The closer you get to God, the more you see your faults. Authority is representative in nature, not inherent. This means that one must live before God, learning and being so being wounded so as not to project oneself into it. So, before I end, I want to, do y'all have any questions? I want to hear. Okay, let's get there. So, we must bring a kingdom culture instead of a worldly culture to the earth. A kingdom culture welcomes, loves, and honors their leaders to others. We must be a community founded upon obedience and authority. Because this is how he orchestrated. If our community strives for this, the kingdom of God will grow, and at the end of it all, Jesus will marvel at us and say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. So, we're going to be proactive here. We um, Will you write a letter or type a letter if you don't have any notes to your spiritual authority thanking them for the role in their in your life in our lives and if you feel like you need to apologize for something you did do that as well and afterwards will you share that with them so um i only spoke for 30 minutes so y'all have 15 minutes to write a letter out saying thank you. Thanks for listening to this Chi Alpha podcast from Summit 2019. Be sure to check out the rest of the sessions and we'll see you next year.
Kayak baby.